Section 18 of Talks About Flowers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nalini Chandran, India. Talks About Flowers by Mary Decker. Welcome. Ornamental Foliage Plants. How much one who gives attention may learn in the vast field of nature. How varied are its attractions, how wonderful its work, how indescribable its beauties. There is a fascination in these studies, whatever may be the department to which they are directed, and the more one learns, the more sensible they become of the limitations of their knowledge. I have already told you I had within a year or two been awaking to a realization of the value of ornamental foliage plants in giving an abiding brightness and beauty to the window garden and open border. As humanity is ever prone to extremes, I may become too enthusiastic in this direction. I thought there was some danger of it as I surveyed my array of pots filled with fine specimens of various sorts. I'll take them for my subject today, giving whatever facts of interest I have been enabled to gather from various sources. Crotons Everybody has heard of croton oil, but only a few of that same everybody know anything about crotons. The number of species known is enormous and they are found in many parts of the world, but chiefly at the South Sea Islands. Some kinds are native to our own country, mainly in the south and southwest, but these are not characterized by the brilliant markings of the foreign varieties. Their leaves are often thick and large, but usually they are very long and narrow and ribbed, veined, spotted and blotched with crimson, scarlet and gold. They are a very interesting class of ornamental plants and their low price, 25 to 50 cents, except for novelties, places them within reach of the common people. They do best in a rich soil with a little peat and sand, also an abundance of water. The specimens I have are these. Ocubefolium, leaves large, dark green, blotched with golden yellow. Interruptum, very long leaves, midrib bright scarlet, shading to gold, very graceful. Irregular, so named because of the irregularity of its leaves in shape and color, too precisely alike being rare. The handsomest, however, of my collection is Croton Weismanni. The ground color is a shining bright green striped and mottled with golden yellow. The leaves grow to a foot in length and three-fourths of an inch wide. Among the more recent and high-priced novelties are Croton Evansianus and Princess of Wales. The former is distinguished by the peculiar form of its trilobate leaves and the depth of colouring pervading the whole plant. The newest formed leaves are light olive green with midribs and veins of golden yellow and the interspaces spotted with the same colour. As the leaves become older, the green deepens and changes to a bright bronzy crimson and the golden yellow of the midribs, veins and spots becomes a rich orange scarlet. Princess of Wales is one of the long-leaved drooping forms of croton and is very distinct in character. The leaves are from one and one half to two feet in length. The ground color is green and the variegations creamy yellow, very variable in color. The markings are of the maculate style with here and there large blotches of clear cream yellow and in other parts clouded markings of smaller confluent blotches and spots. Occasionally, these conditions are reversed. 
The Croton Fenzi, recently offered in commerce by M. Solviati of Florence, is described as a jewel among the Crotons. It is the result of a cross effected in the greenhouses of Sesto between Croton Vici and Croton Weismanni, and has moderate-sized oval acuminate leaves richly veined with golden yellow, the principal nerves being purplish-red, which color extends to the stem and the petiole. The habit is so dwarf and compact that plants only a foot high are often seen with all their splendor, the yellow streaking then extending to almost the whole surface of the leaf and the red nerve shining on the yellow ground. It is a variety especially fitted for the decoration of small greenhouses as it requires very little room to be able to develop all its charms. This variety has been dedicated to the Chevalier E. O. Fenzi, President of the Royal Horticultural Society of Tuscany, London Florist. Fancy Caladiums Of these, the varieties are numerous and the foliage very ornamental. Those I have are Dr. Hornley, Green Ground, Blotched with Rose, Crimson Center. Madame Hulet, Blush Clusters and White Spots on Green Ground. Sagittifolium pictum, arrow-shaped leaves, prettily spotted with white. Madame Alfred Blue, the ground color of the leaves is silvery white, which is blotched with green in some leaves very sparingly, in others nearly half the surface. The veins are prominent and of rich rosy crimson, bordered by narrow bands of a lighter shade. Alfred Mame, beautiful deep carmine, richly marked with rosy spots and white leaf margin. La Perla da Brazil, ground color, green, reticulated all over with pure white like fine lace. These last three are from the collection of Mr. John Saul of Washington and are new. Fancy caladiums do best in somewhat shaded positions in well-enriched soil, composed of finely decomposed manure, leaf mold and sand, and a moist warm temperature. Great care must be had in their earlier stage of growth to prevent decay of the tubers by overwatering. They can be preserved in sand during the winter in a room sufficiently warm to prevent danger from frost. Caladium esculentum is the most striking and grand of the ornamental foliage plants for the lawn or flower garden. It will grow in any good soil and is very easy of cultivation. When of full size, it stands about 5 feet high and its immense leaves often measure 4 feet in length by 2.5 in breadth. Very smooth, of a light green color, beautifully veined and variegated with dark green. When killed down by frost in the autumn, the bulbs must be taken up and stored in the cellar. Palladium belongs to the family of Jack in the Pulpit or Indian Turnip and the Ethiopian or Egyptian Kerala. They rarely bloom in our northern states. The flowers resemble in shape the Kela lily, while they are much larger and narrower, are of a rich cream color, very fragrant at first, but soon lose their odor, which resembles the magnolia. Eranthemums These comprise a large genus, valuable for their foliage and also winter flowers, yet not very generally cultivated. Mine are labeled Andersoni, a handsome arcade-like flower, white, spotted with red. Pictum, foliage prettily streaked with white, a strong, vigorous grower. Tricolor, leaves prettily marked with pink and green. Cooperi, has flowers white, prettily streaked with purple. 
Eldorado light green foliage with golden veinings. Marantas These are considered by florists as among the most elegant of tropical plants, but like the Eranthemums, are not generally known. They are all natives of tropical America and require strong heat with plenty of moisture. They are low priced and ought to be more extensively cultivated. I think mine are very beautiful. Eczemia, upper surface of leaves striped with grayish white, under purplish violet. Lepodina, pale green with oblong blotches of deep green. Mikans, shining green with a white feathery stripe. Van den Hecke, dull glossy leaves, midrib silvery white. Makayana, a very ornamental dwarf species, leaf stalk slender reddish purple, blade of the leaf ovate, ground color, olive green, beautifully and regularly blotched with creamy yellow of a transparent character. On each side the midrib are oblong dark green blotches, while the underside is rosy red. Tubispatha is an elegant and very attractive species of erect habit of growth. Leaves some 9 or 10 inches long, light green, ornamented on each side, the midrib with oblong blotches of cinnamon brown. Weichi, the leaves of this grand plant are upward of 12 inches in length, the undersurface of a rich purplish wine color, the upper of a deep shining green, blotched with conspicuous patches along each side of a yellowish green, almost verging on gray. The contrast is very marked and the whole plant very beautiful. Echiranthus, a genus of richly colored tropical plants, are better known and to a limited extent are found in many gardens, Vercifalti with its dark crimson leaf being the most common. Brilliantissima, ruby red, is a new English variety. Wallaceae is a new dwarf with small purple leaves. Lindeni aurea reticulata, foliage netted with golden yellow on a light green ground. These plants are of the easiest cultivation and endure strong sunshine without injury. Alternantheras are also very effective for bedding plants, habit dwarf. Foliage is in some of a magenta rose color, others yellow and red. Purpurea has a purplish tint and versicolor crimson and pink shadings. They are unsurpassed for ribbon or carpet bedding. Diefenbachia, a genus of stout plants with very showy foliage. Brasiliensis, a handsome variety, the leaves averaging 18 inches in length by 8 or 9 inches in width. The ground color of the leaf is deep green and the whole surface is mottled with small blotches of greenish yellow and white. Bosse is a stocky growing, broad-leaved variety with yellowish green leaves which are irregularly etched and blotched with dark green and also spotted with white, the markings being peculiarly effective. Weary is of dwarf habit, the foliage of a bright green color, thickly blotched and spotted with pale yellow, one of the finest of the species. They grow best in loam and peat equal quantities with a little sand, requires strong heat and frequent watering. A few ornamental foliage plants of rare beauty received from Mr. John Saul merit special notice. Sinophyllum spectandum is a grand plant with large oblong lustrous leaves which have a rich velvety appearance. They are beautifully ribbed with whitish color. Alocasia macroriza variegata, its large caladium shaped leaves are marbled and broadly splashed with white. Some leaves are nearly all white. Zebrina, fine yellow leaf stalk with distinct black marks.
illustrious, the leaf stalks are erect and have a brownish purple tint. Color a rich green, marked between the principal veins by broad patches of a blackish olive and forming a striking contrast with the brighter green portions of the leaf surface. Sedini, a very beautiful hybrid between Alocasia metallica and Alocasia lowii, the form of the leaf is perfectly intermediate between the two parents, whilst the colouring is a very striking and pleasing combination of the metallic hue of one parent with the dark green and prominent white veins of the other. Alocasias require a moist heat during their growing season. Soil, peat with a small portion of loam, sand and manure. Acalypha mecafina is another of the rare and beautiful foliage plants alluded to. It is considered the best acalypha ever offered. It is certainly very handsome with its subcordate and serrate leaves 8 inches long and 6 broad, frequently cut into many forms and very highly colored bright red blotched with deep bronzy crimson. It proves to be an admirable plant for bedding out. Quite as attractive every way is Panax lessoniatum, an elegant and very distinct habited stow plant from the South Sea Islands. The leaves are tinted and indistinctly marked with pale olive brown and form a rather complicated mass of narrow segments. They are bipinnate, nearly as broad as long and have a drooping contour. And the pinnules or segments are very variable in size and form, presenting the appearance of a complex head of foliage in which the lanceolate lobes or pinnules have the preponderancy. Panax fruticosum has a very graceful fern-like foliage. These plants belong to the Aurelia family, a genus very ornamental, natives of the South Sea Islands. Another of my Washington collection, very graceful and beautiful, is Paulinia thalic trifolia. Its delicate cut leaves resemble the fronds of a finely divided maidenhair fern. The leaves are of a rich shade of green. The young shoots and foliage are of a pinkish-brown color. It is of slender growth and climbing habit, very similar to Capsidium filicifolium, which has long been a special favorite of mine. Both of these are elegant, trained on a pot trellis. Paulinia thalic trifolia is a native of the southern Brazils, from whence it was introduced to the nurseries of Messrs. Weech and Sons of Chelsea. If only required for decorative purposes, there should be no inclination to make the plants produce flowers which are inconspicuous. Therefore, the main object should be to have plenty of healthy foliage. To secure this, the plant should be grown in a temperature of from 65 degrees to 70 degrees and if one part of the greenhouse is more adapted to its growth than another, it is the dampest part. After this plant came into the possession of Mrs. Weech and before its true value became known, some plants of it were placed in a corner of an old, very damp, warm pit in which position they grew wonderfully strong and quite surpassed in vigor and beauty those that were, as was then supposed, placed under more advantageous circumstances, that is, in drier and lighter parts of other houses. Care is therefore now taken to keep them where abundant atmospheric moisture can be supplied. A compost consisting of two parts good substantial peat and one of loam together with some silver sand suits it admirably. Gardening Illustrated Canis These form a very important part of the class of which we are treating. They give a very beautiful and tropical appearance to the lawn and the garden by their stately growth and broad massive foliage relieved by rich crimson, scarlet and orange-red flowers. 
Their foliage comprises various shades of green, glaucous, chocolate and purple tints, ribbed and striped, fitting them admirably for grouping with other plants. They are also very effective for large pot plants in the pleasure ground or conservatory. Under rich cultivation, they will attain the height of 5 feet. They need water often. Among the newer roots, Creole, very dark foliage, grows to the height of about 6 feet. Ornament du Grand Ronde, very tall, with large bronzy green foliage, large scarlet flowers. Oriflame has large lanceolate green leaves with violet veins, your vigorous showy plant with salmon orange flowers. The roots of cannas must be taken up in the autumn. If wanted singly, divide them. If a thick clump is desirable, let them be planted out as they are. They must be kept perfectly dry through the winter. If the cellar is very damp, they will do better packed in sand. Dracaena This is a valuable genus of ornamental plants, specially fine for the center of vases and for pot culture. Although their culture is on the increase, they are not so frequently grown as they deserve. The species are very numerous and are found in tropical countries, especially in the islands of the tropics. Many of them assume the proportions of trees. The largest specimen ever known was one of Dracaena draco or the dragon tree of Oratawa in Tenerife, one of the Canary Islands. This tree was remarkable for its monstrous dimensions and prodigious longevity. About 10 years since, or in the autumn of 1867, this magnificent specimen was destroyed by a gale of wind. It was a special object of interest in the Canary Islands and received the attention and veneration of visitors as do the great Segovia trees of California. Its trunk below the lowest branches was 80 feet in height and 10 men holding hands could scarcely encircle it. By one measurement, this span around it was 79 feet. The trunk was hollow and in the interior was a winding staircase by which one might ascend as far as the part from which the branches sprang. It is affirmed by tradition that when the island of Tenerife was discovered in 1402, this tree was as large and the cavity in the trunk as great as at the time of its destruction. We are even assured that in the 15th century, at the time of the conquest of the Canaries by the Normans and Spaniards, they celebrated mass on a little altar erected in this cavity. From the slow growth of the young dragon trees in the canaries, it has been estimated that this monster tree, before it was destroyed, was the oldest plant upon the globe. A writer in describing it says, Long leaves pointed like swords, crowned the extremities of the branches, and white panicles, which developed in autumn, threw a mantle of flowers upon this dome of verdure. The popular name of this species is dragon's blood tree because of a resinous juice of a red color which exudes from the cracks in its trunk. At one time this resin formed a considerable branch of commerce as it was used medicinally as an astringent but it has fallen into disuse. The dracaenas belong to the lily family and they afford a remarkable contrast to the palms and other arborescent endogens by their branching heads. The young trees of Dracaena Draco do not however send out any branches even in their native localities until they are 30 years old or more. The small plants of the species cultivated for ornament have always a single straight stem but are much more robust and quickly assume more stately proportions than those of the other kinds that will be mentioned. The Dracaena is admired for its peculiar grace of form 
it would be in vain in common house culture to expect flowers to admire a plant for its well-developed and graceful form marks an advancement in refined taste beyond that which would induce one to exclaim oh at the sight of a brilliantly colored flower even in rearing a plant for flowers the first object should be to develop it to the fullest extent in size and shape and strength to make a beautiful object of the plant itself just as the first and main attention given to a child for years should be to develop and build up its physical system the dracaena is a good house plant a good balcony and veranda plant good for the ways in the open air and in a handsome pot is a fine ornament for table decoration its culture is of the simplest kind adapting itself to any ordinarily good soil it only requires to be supplied moderately with moisture and to have a temperature ranging upward from 65 degrees it delights in a moist air and whenever possible water should be kept where it will rapidly evaporate and thus ameliorate the atmosphere in this respect for the plant this condition moreover is conducive to the well-being of most plants and no good plant grower can disregard it with impunity washing the leaves and stem of the plant frequently with a wet sponge is favorable to its health and vigor and one of the best preventives of the attack of insects with dust on the leaves the plants look dingy while frequent washing keeps them bright and lustrous dracaena indivisa has long slender dark green leaves about three quarters of an inch or an inch in width and from two and a half feet to three feet in length and the lower ones especially are very much recurved or gracefully drooping this species is among the hardiest of the dracaenas and is frequently wintered in the open ground with some protection in climates where the temperature frequently descends several degrees below the freezing point dracaena terminalis is the most popular of the whole family in this country and is worthy of all the admiration bestowed upon it the leaves are broader and more erect than those of the preceding species and of a dark green suffused with red or having streaks of a reddish color the young leaves nearly pink but assuming a dark bronzy copper color afterward it is a very distinct and showy plant and adapted to a great variety of ornamental purposes the propagation and sale of it is rapidly increasing every year and it is already widely disseminated at the sandwich islands it is cultivated to a considerable extent for its roots which are baked and eaten a fermented beverage is also made from the juice and its leaves are employed as fodder for cattle and for clothing and other domestic purposes dracaena shepardii is of a most noble form and is one of the finest yet in cultivation it has long spreading leaves of a metallic green with stripes and border of bronzy orange and is a very free grower unlike most of the forms already known which color most on the free young growth of vigorous plants this plant takes on its distinctive coloring gradually on the older leaves dracaena canifolia is an interesting species its peculiarity consists in the length of petiole which is as long as the rest of the leaf the blade of the leaf is elliptical in form from 15 to 20 inches in length firm and of a glaucous green within a few years past much attention has been given by cultivators in great britain and europe to hybridizing the dracaena and producing new varieties the most remarkable success has attended the efforts in this direction of mr bowes in the establishment of mr wills of annerley england the variety is wonderful broad-leaved medium-leaved and narrow-leaved bronzy and green crimson rose pink violet and white variegations 
drooping, spreading and erect habits are blended in all sorts of combinations. One of the sorts produced is described as a most important acquisition, having quite the habit and character of the well-known favorite terminalis, but with white variegation. The ground color is a bright green with bold white variegation, the upper leaves being white with here and there a bar of green. Wix Magazine Dracaena Goldiana Sent out in this country for the first time in 1880 is said to be one of the most magnificent ornamental foliage plants ever introduced and altogether unique in character and aspect. It is a native of western tropical Africa. The plant is of erect habit and the stems are closely set with stalked spreading leaves, the petioles of which are of a greyish color, terrate with a narrow furrow along the upper side, the base being dilated and sheathing the stem. The blade of leaf is marbled and irregularly banded with dark green and silver grey in alternate straight bands, the colors being about equally distributed. The back of the unfolded leaves is a pale reddish purple or wine color and the stem were visible. It is without doubt one of the most superb of ornamental stove plants. When first sent out in London in 1878, its price was from 5 to 10 guineas per plant. We do not know the price in this country. Mr. H. A. Dreer, who has an illustration of it in his catalogue, furnishes the price only on application, which is evidence that it is costly. From the type given, it must be exceedingly handsome and wholly unlike any Dracaena before offered in America. Dracaenas, as we have noticed before, are particularly desirable house plants, keeping in good condition for a long time, even in rooms where gas is burnt places so unsuited to most plants. They are liable to attacks of the mealy bug and the red spider if neglected, but the syringing and sponging advice for them will effectually prevent their gaining a foothold if frequently and thoroughly performed. After a year or two, the plants begin to lose their lower leaves and to get leggy, a state of things quite undesirable, as the beauty and effectiveness of the plants depend upon their being furnished with leaves down to the base of the stem. When the plants have become unsightly from the loss of their leaves, they can be renewed very quickly by a simple process. Cut a notch in the stem on one side, just below the lowest good leaves, and take out a piece of the wood, then do the same on the other side of the stem, but not exactly opposite the first notch. The object is to check the flow of sap at this point and yet allow enough of it to pass to maintain the head. Having cut the notches, take some moss or sphagnum and bind about the stem, covering the incisions and fastening it on securely with twine or fine wire. The moss is to be kept gently moist and in the course of two weeks will have thrown out young roots above the notches. The head can now be severed from the stem and potted in a medium-sized pot. After keeping it a few days in the shade, it can be gradually brought out into the full light and will be found to be established. Dracaenas may also be multiplied by removing the thick fleshy root that may usually be found in the base of the plant. Those tuberous roots can be potted and if kept in a warm place will soon start and make new plants. When plants are repotted, a favorable opportunity is offered for taking off these roots for the roots of the old plants are actively at work and with the fresh soil they receive will soon recover from any slight check they may have received. The most rapid method of propagating this plant is by cuttings of the stem. The stem may be cut into pieces an inch in length and those pieces split in two and all of those bits will root and become plants. 
They should be placed in a light sandy soil and given a brisk bottom heat of 70 degrees or 80 degrees. They will break and start into growth in a few days. Wix Magazine So fully does the foregoing express all that is needful regarding the Dracaena, we have thought best to give it entire. We might greatly enlarge on the subject of ornamental foliage plants and speak of the beautiful palms, so fine for decorative purposes, the pretty ferns and elegant aurelias, of which latter, Seaboldi, is a capital house plant, so enduring that it will live and keep its beautiful dark green color for weeks almost in the dark. Then there is the Ionimus, so bright with its glossy green leaves, long a favorite whether for the border or window garden. Argentia has striped foliage and Japonica's aurea has its dark green foliage diversified with golden variegations. Bicolor foliage almost white and tricolor a rarer form is marked with pink and white. With the numerous varieties we have named, it will be apparent how ornamental our gardens, whether within doors or without, may be made by plants, the beauty of which is wholly independent of flowers and they do wonderfully enhance the effect of the bloomers. The centaurias and cenararias, with their deeply lobed leaves of white, are too well known to need any special mention. We do not intend, however, to pass so lightly over another stately and highly ornamental genus that comes within the reach of everyone. Ricinus, the seed of which can be purchased for a dime, are magnificent in foliage and when combined with the brilliant color fruit of the giant varieties, the effect is very oriental. Ricinus africanus albidus is of recent introduction. It is white-fruited and the stems and leaves are silvery, height 8 feet. Borbaniensis arboreus has very large and showy foliage, height 15 feet. Communis is the castor oil plant. Sanguineus obermanii bears splendid red fruit in clusters and is very ornamental. A species from Philippines has gigantic foliage, height 10 feet. These can be purchased in separate or mixed packets and we advise everyone who has a bit of ground to try them. We will close with a big bean story. I have just harvested my ricinus or castor bean which I raised from the seed you sent me last spring. It was of mammoth growth, attaining a height of 14 and a half feet and 16 feet across the branches of which there were 17 after cutting off 5 during the summer. Each of the branches contained a cluster of burrs, the center one having 134 burrs, the other branches not so many. Many of the leaves measured from 30 to 32 inches across from tip to tip or point of leaves. When sawed off at the ground, the body measured 5 inches and a half of wood in diameter inside of the bark which was one fourth of an inch thick. This is a big bean story but nevertheless a true one. TGT in Wix magazine. End of Ornamental Foliage Plants Recording by Nalini Chandran, India